Now, there are some sermon notes that go with this morning's message. If you didn't get any sermon notes when you came in, if you could just hold your hand up, our lovely hosts will ensure that they are put into your hands. You will notice that there, uh, in your notes, um, that there is some homework. Okay, these are questions for you to take home, and I'm going to be checking everyone that's got their hands up right now because I know that you're going to you're wanting the homework. So um, I'll check the answers. No, I won't. <laughs> I just encourage you to to, to look at the, the questions and to dig a little bit deeper because I think that uh, God wants to say some things to us as we uh, we do what God is asking us to do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that um, you're here and you're doing some wonderful things in our lives. I thank you that uh, by your spirit you're going to transform us, that we are becoming more and more like Jesus, that we're taking on the, the mandate, the purpose for which we are still on this earth. Father, to see people one to you, to see people come alive to the gospel, to see people come alive to your spirit, Father, empower us even more and more to be your witnesses in this world. Father, we pray for the anointing of your spirit as we go out into our world this week. Help us to connect with people in a deeper, meaningful way. And I, Father, ask you that you'd grace my words with, uh, with the power of your spirit, that, that you'd, you'd speak through me things that I'm not saying that people would receive the born of your spirit. I just pray right now that you'd help us to do this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can you just take me a little bit out of the fold backs behind me, please, Peter? Thank you. Well, welcome to part four in our series on its tool time. Um, we've been on this bit of a journey uh, of doing this, this series um, uh, called It's Tool Time, and it's actually based in a book called uh, The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations, and this is the book that uh, this series is based in. Um, it's a, an amazing book. I've uh, read it from cover to cover. Um, I've uh, got the leader's workbook and, and the whole thing, and um, I've got to tell you, it has transformed the way that I'm reaching out to people in, in our community. Uh, it's helped me so much to do things differently. And I'm seeing results as a result of that. Um, and I, I absolutely praise God for the, the authors of it. I, uh, I find it amazing that I picked the book up because I, I think that the, the title could have been better, but uh, the title is, is what it is, uh, and I thank God for it. I, I really do. I think it's just an amazing book. And I would encourage you to do whatever you need to do to get a copy of this book, whether it's through uh, the book depository in the United Kingdom, 20 bucks. That includes postage, because book depository, it's free postage from the UK, back home. Um, so it's just, uh, that's one way you can get it. I, th- I believe you might be able to get it through Kindle. I can't, I'd, uh, I'd have to have someone confirm that for me, but um, you can. Uh, so fantastic. So get it through Kindle. I'll, I'll probably be about nine or ten bucks. Uh, so just do whatever you do and get the book. Um, when we got saved, there's something I noticed, Okay. I noticed that I suddenly wasn't transformed into heaven. I, I wasn't transferred into heaven. I mean, I, I, got, I gave my heart to Jesus and I found myself still here. And so did you. And I, I just, you know, wonder sometimes uh, if we, we really have realized that we're still here. So that must mean that God wants still to do something in and through our lives because we are still here. He didn't take us straight away to be with him in heaven. Now, if the purpose of salvation is to save us, then I believe that God wants to save us not only for himself, but for a purpose. And I, I, I think that personally, I believe that the purpose for which we're still here is to become more like Jesus, but also to populate heaven when people pass away, you know, they, they leave this world and they go into the next world. I believe that God wants us to seek and save the lost. That God wants us uh, to do the same things that Jesus did whilst he was here on the earth. 
to bring salvation, to bring freedom, to bring a, a, a breakout from poverty, uh, all of these things. I believe this is what God has uh, got for us, why we are still here on this earth. However, one thing I've come to realize is that in us trying to see people saved and get people saved and and lead them toward Jesus, that many people haven't been trained in how to lead someone to Christ, how to engage with the people around about us in a spiritual conversation that creates curiosity rather than uh, animosity when we talk to them about Jesus. And I think that for a long time, the church has gone down the road of telling everybody how they need to get their life right, telling how people how they need to stop sinning and doing the things that they're doing. And, you know, uh, it's just there's a whole things about, you know, the church is known for what it's against rather than what it's for. And I think that we've got to change that because it's not working. Uh, for a long time, we think that, um, uh, that, that we are to invite people to church. That that's why we're still here on the earth. Oh, well, I've got to tell you, I think church is important, but I don't think that that's the answer. You're thinking, what? You're the pastor of the church. You're supposed to have people say, come to. I do believe in a, a corporate gathering. I believe that a corporate gathering are important. That we, we learn stuff. We're encouraged in our faith. We're strengthened in the things of God. We're, we're taught from the Bible. At least in this church, you are. Uh, that, you know, that. And many other churches, by the way, you are too. So I just better clarify that. There's some great churches in the Adelaide Hills. I want to tell you, I'm not in competition with them. I want to see them filled. Because I know that when they're filled, we'll be filled. Because I want to see them flourish and succeed. I want our communities to come alive to Jesus. And it's going to take all of the church to be able to do that. But there's, you know, there's this, this whole thing about being able to, uh, to, to win someone to Christ. The facts are... That 9 out of 10 Christians, when they go to be with Jesus in heaven, 9 out of 10 Christians will not have led someone to Christ. Will not have led someone to Christ. So in this room, for every 10 people, only one will have ever led someone to Christ. That's a sobering statistic. That's a sobering statistic. It's not because they don't want to lead someone to Christ. Quite often it's because we don't know how to lead someone to Christ. We haven't led anyone to Christ because generally we don't know how to do it. And that's why this series is called It's Tool Time. I believe it provides us with the tools that we need to engage with the people who live differently and believe differently from us. But like any tool, okay, to get good at using it means we've got to practice with it. So... In the, the, uh, the preceding uh, parts or installments of this series, in part one, it was just mainly an introduction to these nine arts of spiritual conversations. In part two, we looked at noticing people, paying attention, secretly praying for people as we're, we're just, we've noticed them, or, or just listening to people. Then in part three, we looked at praying for people. We, we, we go to God and we ask God three questions. And the questions were, what, are we, what is God doing in this person's life right now? What does this person need right now? And how can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? So we just simply ask those three questions of God when we're talking with someone, when we're with someone. We're just simply saying, God, where are you already working? What does this person need right now? How can I invite this person to experience something fresh about Jesus this morning? But I want to say that this series goes much further than just having spiritual conversations with the people in our communities. Because uh, just think about this, all right? What if we applied these, these arts of these spiritual conversations in our marriages? What if we noticed our spouse more? What if we noticed our kids more? What if we noticed our boss more? What if we noticed the, the, the people in our world a li- more, our neighbors more? How different would our marriages be if we started to notice the person that we're living with, and we started to secretly pray a ninja prayer for them. Well, what if we actually 
started to pray, God, uh, over my wife today, you know, where are you already working? What does my wife need right now that I could pray? What do you want to give? How could I invite my wife to experience something new about you, Lord Jesus, today? How different would our marriages be? What, what, what if we, we took on this part four of the series this morning? We're talking about the art of listening. And Jane's going to go, oh, yes, finally. <laughs> what if we listen to our spouses? What if we listen to God as we're talking to people? What if we, we listen to, to truly what a person is saying, but also what they're not saying, but they are saying under what they're not saying? Are you confused now? <laughs> Reading between the lines, that's it. I'm listening. You're listening? You're listening? Okay. Welcome to part four of its tool time and the art of listening. See, this is what listening does. Listening communicates God's love to people in profoundly real ways and opens up opportunities for connection, opens up opportunities to come into a relationship with people. Most of us have been in a conversation with a person who wasn't listening to us. Please don't talk to Jane after the service and find out how she knows these, the answers to these questions, but... How did, you dis- how did you know that someone wasn't listening to you? What were the, some of the indicators that they weren't listening to you? Like, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of like listening to you with that ear, but the TV's over there. And I was, yes, yes. Have you ever said yes when you should have said no? That's caught me out many a time. Yeah, that's, oh, Jesus, help me, but help them too. I love what James says. James says in in James chapter 1, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone. Look at the person next to you, say everyone. everyone. Everyone, everyone. This means you. This, I turn to the other person and don't think you're getting away with this either because this means you too. Okay, this, this, every, 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 everyone, everyone should be quick. In other words, be ready, be attentive to, to listen. Everyone should be ready, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Did you like that? Slow to speak and slow to get angry. So I turn a page on my notes now. Yes, slow, slow to change. Not change. This is pet hate of Jane's and mine. We're talking about something. I've said what I needed to say. We'll change the subject. But Jane's still thinking about the thing I thought of first, and she wants to continue in that. But I've moved on. So we've got to be ch- slow to change the subject as well. Okay, that that was in the the Gary Leach para- oh, sorry Jane Leach paraphrased version of that scripture. More information, please send all your emails to Jane after the service. But I recognise that's an area of growth for me, and I, I fully take on that feedback. Okay. But we've got to be slow to speak, slow to get angry, but quick to listen. Bishop Todd Hunter says this, I'm willing to bet the farm that in our postmodern Christian society, the most important evangelistic skill is listening. Is listening. The most important evangelistic skill is to listen. So listening could be the most important evangelistic skill because it does three things. Number one, listening communicates love. People in our culture often interpret listening as love. 
We, when we demonstrate that we are truly seeking to understand people and not change their points of view, we create a safe environment for them to open up at a deeper level. So we are here to listen. That's why when we're engaging in spiritual conversations with people, we should be slow to speak, slow to interject, slow to, to put forward what we're thinking about how we overcome that particular area, how, how we move forward in that particular challenge. We've got to be quick to listen. In other words, we start to maybe ask questions about what the person has just said, not about how I think that I should, they, they should overcome their particular issue. Does that make sense? So when we're, we're saying that uh, when we uh, are talking to someone, we're listening to someone. It actually communicates, you know, I want to know more about you. I'm interested in how you think. I'm interested in how you believe. I'm interested in your point of view, how you see a particular thing. I want to understand what's going on. I want to, to just get to know you better. And the way that I do that the best is I, com- I listen and I communicate a genuine care and love for the person that I'm talking to. People need someone who's willing to move into their lives as a listener and a learner. In, in uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to, t- to 34, we see the great interaction of where this woman has this issue of blood and, and she's just done all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, uh, we, we, we see that, that uh, at one point that Jesus stops what he's doing and he turns and says, who touched me? And then he says, you know, uh, uh, this, this woman steps forward and she's, she starts to talk to him. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus is here for three years of effective ministry. But he stops in the middle of his ministry tour to listen to this woman's story. He stops his agenda. He stops what he's doing. It may may have been inconvenient, but he stops and he listens to this woman. And, you know, like this, Jesus talks with this woman uh, uh, who's been bleeding for years. The conversation starts because she reaches out in faith, grabs his coat, believing that she'll be healed. And then there's this fascinating statement in verse 33 of that particular passage where the woman says this. The woman told him the whole truth. This woman told him the whole truth. In other words, uh, she told him her story right there in the middle of the crowd. On his way somewhere else, Jesus stops and he listens to her. Jesus demonstrated his love for this woman through the simple act of stopping what he was and where he was going and listen to this woman's story of her struggle with her illness, of the pursuit of healing at the hands of many, many doctors, of her spending everything that she had to try and find and seek wholeness for her body, of overcoming the cultural boundaries that were in place at that time for her to reach out. And Jesus patiently and lovingly listened to her story, focused on her faith, and he felt her pain in that moment. And Jesus turns, to the, he, he says to this woman, he says, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. See, love listens. Love listens. We value people by the simple act of listening to what they've got to say. Secondly, this whole thing about being a, 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 an important evangelistic skill, listening and being an important evangelistic skill, secondly, it's because listening reveals God's heart for people. Listening reveals God's heart for people. Many Christ followers have been taught to give gospel presentations rather than to engage in spiritual conversations. There's the old Romans road. Oh, I've got to lead a person down the Romans road. We walk them through the scriptures in, in Romans. Wages of sin is death and, and you need to get your life right with Jesus. And, you know, and we, on we go. We have this gospel presentation rather than saying, it's just simply saying, well, how, how are you doing? Well, what's going on in your life? Is there something that I could help you with? Is, you know, what, what do you need right now? This is where you, know, you start to, to notice people. You start to pray for them. God, what are you already doing in this person's life? What do they need right now? Because they might say something to you, but then the Spirit of God says something to you because you've been praying, Lord, what is this person? How can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? They're saying something to you, but because you're listening to God and you're listening to this person and you start, you know, they, they say, oh, I'm fine. Hey, are you really fine? See, I had that happen this week. I was in my office, someone came into my office and we had this conversation and this person said, how are you doing? I said, I'm going great. They knew I was lying. 
They said, hey, how are you doing really? I said, well, actually, I'm struggling a little bit. They said, I've got a lot on my mind, a lot, lot's happening. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not the best, actually. This person said to me, I know, because I could see. I'm thinking, well, I thought it was a secret. <laughs> but you know what? Just asking that second level question just opens up a door. And you can engage in a conversation with a person because you're listening to the Spirit of God. You're listening to what they're saying and what they're not saying. And by doing that, we actually communicate and reveal God's heart for people. See, the art of listening to people allows us to understand and identify common ground with the person that we're talking to. Listening communicates true humility and sends a powerful message. It says, I accept and respect you. I accept and I respect you. That's what listening does. It reveals God's heart. See, listening reflects the attitude of Jesus. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, consider the example of Jesus that he set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. See, whenever someone came to Jesus, you know, he, quite often or wherever he encountered people, he asked questions. Because he wanted to listen to where they were at. He wanted to listen to what was going on in their world. He wanted to listen to the things that were happening in their families and in their, their workplace. He, he, Jesus wanted to listen to the people that were there. He asked them the questions. See, it goes on to say in this passage in Philippians chapter 2, He existed as the expression of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing that alone as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself with his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man. He listened to the Father and was obedient to everything that he heard. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. In other words, Jesus humbled himself. And, and, and we're called to do the same, church. We're called to, to humble ourselves, not come in arrogantly. You know, well, if you just fix this up in your life, if you, you know, uh, or you've got that problem, oh, man, if you did this, if you did that. Well, we come in arrogantly. We've got this, we're full of our own self-importance. Rather than just, you know, what, what, if you were to ask yourself, the greatest step forward or the greatest uh, time where you, you, you felt like you moved forward in God the most or you, 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 know, you, you discovered something, was it because someone told you something or was it because you discovered it for yourself? And I, and I would suggest that the greatest leap forward that we've ever had is because we discovered something for ourselves. We didn't have someone teach us or, or tell us that that's how it was, although that may have been the case, and I accept that, that's fine. But the, the generally, the majority of us, we've had the greatest steps for, I don't know how to say this right, breakthroughs, thank you. We've had the greatest breakthroughs. I love it when preaching, tag team preaching, it's good. We've had the greatest breakthroughs when we've discovered something for ourselves. We've been reading the Bible. We've, we've read this passage over and over and over. We've never seen this before, but suddenly by the Spirit of God, he reveals something to us, and we think, whoa. And it changes everything. It changes the way that you pray. It changes the way that you reach out to people. It changes the dilemma that you're having in that conflict with that person. It changes things because you discovered something for yourself. It wasn't because you had someone come along to you and say, well, you just got to say you're sorry and forgive the person. Because when someone tells me to do something, I don't know about you, but I have this sort of like, I'm going to dig my heels in. I'm not going to do what they just told me to do. There's this sort of like rebellious in me if you think I'm joking look at your kids you tell them to do something okay and um, why no no now we've as adults I've learned to say no differently well I don't think that's really good for me right now it just means no I'll move on, because a lot of you are going, that's, that's really cutting close to the bone, Pastor Gary. I don't want you talking about that anymore. 
Here's the thing, you see. Listening reveals God's heart for people because we listen because God listens. And if we're following and becoming more like Jesus, shouldn't we do what Jesus does and Jesus listens? See, when we take the initiative to listen to people around us in our everyday lives, seeking to understand rather than to explain ourselves, we reflect the genuine care of Jesus. And in reflecting Jesus, we're revealing the heart of God himself for these people. See, love listens and love and listening reveals God's heart to those people as well. The third thing that this does is listening enables us to understand. Not only does it communicate love, not only does it reveal God's heart for people, but it also enables us to understand that person as well. See, listening seeks to discover people's stories, to learn what interests them, and ultimately to discover where God's at work in their lives already. See, listening puts the spotlight on the other person. We become the listener and the learner at the same time. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. This story comes out of what is called a cue place. Now, a cue place is a place where you can ask questions. It's where a a small group of people get together and for the the simple purpose of uh, exploring questions about faith and life together. And uh, I've just done the whole heap of online training uh, and coaching to be able to facilitate and to initiate in, in Q-Place training. So let's just say uh, Steve and Gina and Jane and Gary wanted to get together with a group of people to explore questions of faith and life with people that nominal Christian maybe at best or that they just don't believe in God or whatever, but we're going to actually discover some things together. And they've got a genuine interest. So we invite some people to the Q-Place training, uh, to a, a small group. And it's just maybe, I don't know, 10 people together. And you simply ask, well, we tried this as a leadership uh, just this week. I've got to tell you right now, some of the questions uh, that came out of that were fantastic. See, one of the, the greatest questions you can ever ask a person is, if you had the opportunity to ask God one question and you knew he, he would answer that question, what question would you ask and why? Because it's great to have a question, but why would you ask, ask that question? Because that why question is absolutely just as important as the question that gets asked. So this person who's a facilitator in a queue place is having a conversation with a gentleman about some stuff. So it goes on. A couple of years ago, Doug found out just how powerful it is to listen when he asked a young man named Victor this question. He says, if I gave you 30 minutes to speak to a group of Christians on what not to have or not what to do uh, to have a spiritual conversation with you, what would you tell them? So this person said, without hesitation, I'd tell them that uh, if you're not willing to listen to me, I'm not going to listen to you. He continued, every conversation I've ever had with Christians has been so one-sided. He says, they want to do all the talking and expect me to do all the listening. Doug, the facilitator, reflected back on what he thought he'd heard Victor say. So he'd asked him this. He says, it sounds like your conversations with Christians have left you very frustrated because they never want to listen to you. Am I hearing you correctly? Victor replied, absolutely And it ticks me off because it's quite obvious all they're concerned with is getting their point across. It comes across as arrogant and disrespectful. And I end up wanting to do nothing, having nothing to do with their religion because I never want to become like them. Doug affirmed Victor for his passionate and authentic response and then asked him a follow-up question. He says, I'm wondering if you have ever had a positive spiritual conversation with a Christian. And if so, what made it different? Victor quickly responded. He said, I've only ever had one, and it was because this Christian actually listened to me and asked me questions about what I believe. Doug asked him to clarify why this conversation stood out as the only positive encounter he'd ever had with a Christian. And Victor said, because when this person listened to me, it told me that they really cared about me. It's the power of listening. It's the power of listening. 
Reflective listening is helpful is a helpful conversational approach to demonstrate that we've been listening well. So in other words, we, we repeat back to the person what we've just heard them say. We might say it in a different way, but it's a great way that you're doing two things. Number one, you're actually reaffirming in yourself that you've heard correctly, but also you're letting the person know that you've heard what they've said. It's a, it's a crucial thing in conversations and in relationships. The fact is that there has been so many... Uh, distractions in life, let alone when we're supposed to be listening to someone that we're present with. So how can we get better at the art of listening? Well, there's three things that we can do. Okay? We can do this three ways. Number one is by our face. These all start with F, um, so it's really easy. So the first one is face. In, in part, we listen with our faces. In other words, it's our body language. Okay? We, we, we use body language by looking at the person or directly uh, into their eyes so that there's this connection. It's not like you're getting freaky, all right? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> just relationally, just relax. So we, we just... Use good body language. Good listeners communicate interest and attention. You know, like... Um, here's one I prepared earlier. So I'm just sitting down and I'm... I'm let's just say I'm having a conversation with, with Robin. Now, normally there wouldn't be this distance between... I'm on the stage, she's down. Okay, so just, just pretend we're just sitting next to each other. If I'm, I'm sort of like listening, yeah, yeah. We're just we're engaged. We're leaning forward. She knows I'm interested. Okay, but you know, yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, fascinating. Really. Oh, I'm riveted. <laughs> do, you, do you get the picture? Like one shows genuine interest. The other, like, why are we even having this conversation? Because it's clear that you're not even interested in what I've got to say. Husbands, that was a good note, all right? Just pick that up for your wives, all right? You need to talk to your wife. So there's simple positioning of our faces and our bodies in such a way that we give full attention to the person that we're speaking. Secondly, our focus. So face, in other words, body language, but then we focus, okay? Focus, attentive listeners avoid distractions. Oh, look, a bird. Squirrel. In other words, we don't interrupt or interject with lots of our own thoughts or self-referential comments. There are, there, there's, their words are few, okay? And any questions asked are relevant and focused on the speaker, not themselves. Now, this is how a good person talks, okay? They're, they're, they're focused on the person that they're talking to. It's not about what I want to convey to the person. I want to dig a little bit deeper. I want to show genuine care and love for this person, so I'm asking them some questions that are referenced upon what they've told me already, and I use that to walk forward. See, good listeners pay attention to the cues that reveal deeper questions beneath the person's story. For example, if someone questions God's fairness, it's often because something has happened to them that feels unfair. Well, God's not fair. There's a deeper question that this person is wanting to communicate in that statement. Suffering and hurt caused by another Christian can be behind a question and the objections may be a smokescreen for the real issue and it takes trust and time to discover where that person's at. Does that make sense? So sometimes people's actual words can be a barrier to listening. And I've, I've said this already this morning that, you know, as an example, I get asked if I'm all right, my answer is going to be, it's fine, I'm fine, and I'm not fine. Okay? Being focused when we're listening helps us read between the lines and hear what's not being said just as much. Because quite often what's not being said is more important than the things that actually are being said. Does that make sense? The third thing that we can do to help us in this art of better listening is feelings, to have feelings. In other words, a good listener is empathetic to what's going on in a person's life. We, we, we want to 
uh, help people to understand. You know, like this, uh, when people express pain or emotion, often our knee-jerk reaction is to fix them. Guys, we're profoundly good at this. Okay, I can see I've got a common spirit right there. We're really good at fixing stuff. We just want to fix stuff. That's how we're wired. But you know what? Some people just don't want to be fixed. They just want someone to listen, to be there with them, to listen. Girls are really good at this. I've got so much to learn from from girls. And Jane does that. You know, she listens, and I'm thinking, I don't know how she does that, but she does. Now, that's a generality. You know the word I mean. Generalization. Thank you very much. Another tag team. It's great. We find it hard to join people where they are. We feel discomfort when we're talking to someone who's obviously in pain and hurting. And we want to hurry them to a different emotional state because we feel uncomfortable. But we need to be with the person who's experiencing something. And that shows genuine care and love as we do that. That's the art of listening. Empathy offers comfort, not pat answers. And it tries to understand and even experience the other person's feelings. Listening to someone's feelings starts with where the person is and tries to understand rather than changing, changing them. Remembering that only God can change a human heart. I'm going to read you a story from the book itself. And again, this comes out of what's called a Q place. So the question gets asked uh, in, in the small group setting and people give a response. So years ago, a buddy uh, of mine and I invited several spiritually, spiritual explorers to discuss their tough questions about God and the Bible. This was the first time we'd tried anything like this, and we had no idea what we were doing or how we would respond to their questions. We just knew that these people were looking for a place to have this important spiritual discussion we were willing to show up and try. We gathered in the home of one of the participants on a weekly basis. We'd not not been uh, meeting for very long when one evening a group participant named Eileen, which is not her real name, uh, raised the, the hell question. She asked, do people really go to hell if they don't follow Jesus? This, that seems awfully harsh for a loving God, said Eileen. Everything was a blur from that point on. Without asking any further questions or listening to what God might be whispering to us, Dave and I launched into a tag team explanation of hell, and while we were at it, we covered sin and eternal damnation too. We used lots and lots and lots of words and lots and lots of passion. Unfortunately, we were unaware of our relational impact and did not pick up on the group's nonverbal cues as they became quiet and withdrawn, eyes focused down on the carpet. At the beginning of our monologue, some people offered differing opinions and counter-arguments, but we'd gained a head of steam and were determined not to let our opinions interfere with our speaking the truth. By the end of our hellfire and brimstone lecture, the room was filled with tearful and angry people. The group departed from the apartment that night and Eileen never returned. A few months later, we were talking to another group participant, Eileen's friend Kathy, and Kathy informed us of Eileen's backstory. Eileen's mother had been diagnosed with cancer. In desperation, Eileen's mother made a pilgrimage to a healing shrine in Lourdes, France. Unfortunately, on the return flight home, she died. Can you imagine how gut-wrenching that must have been for Eileen? Then, a short time before our group began meeting, Eileen's father, her sister, and a family friend were leaving an airport in their private plane when something went wrong and the plane crashed, killing all three occupants. Horrific. Eileen was greatly grieved about their deaths and the possibility that they might be in hell. With this insight, Dave and I immediately felt both profound sadness for Eileen and anguish because we realized that her question about hell had other layers beneath the surface. I deeply regretted that we had not stopped, sent up a prayer to God, listened empathetically and asked a few more questions to try to understand Eileen's perspective. All instead of giving a homily on hell. 
I learned the wisdom of Proverbs 18.13. To answer before listening is folly and shame. Our error was that we did not listen and then ask clarifying questions to understand the nature of Eileen's question. That is, what were the questions behind her question? What, oh, sorry, why did she want to understand where people go when they die? What did she believe about hell and about Jesus? I could have responded differently, he says. Maybe I could have validated the importance of her question and suggested we talk about it privately. Maybe I could have honoured her courage to ask such a big question and assured the group that we would tackle that topic in the future after we'd done some time to build more trust. Instead, we answered before listening. I didn't bother to seek to understand Eileen. I had an agenda. I had an agenda to convince her of the truth, and I didn't check with God to see if it aligned with His plan for her that night. As Bono in U2 sings, it's hard to listen while you preach. Many spiritual topics, like the topic of hell, are emotionally charged for a spiritual explorer and worthy of gentle handling, not a data dump lecture. That was a hard lesson to learn. It's a powerful statement, isn't it? It's a powerful statement. Have a look at this video. When my daughter Lena was a little girl, she would crawl to my lap and start talking and talking. This usually happened at the end of a long day when I was sitting on the couch trying to wind down and just watching sports on TV. But because it was my Lena and I wanted her to know that I cared about her, I would do my best to listen to her. She would babble on and on about her day or tell me some long story, and I would do the dad thing. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. What I was really doing was humoring my daughter while I looked over her shoulder to see what was happening on the TV. I wasn't tuned in. I wasn't actually listening at all. Then one night, while the same scene was repeating itself, my daughter grabbed both my cheeks, turned my head toward her, and yelled in my face. Daddy, look at me! In other words, listen to me. Focus on me. Pay attention to me. What I'm saying is important. Lena wanted to know that I loved her enough to take my focus off the TV and give it to her. Looking at her and listening to her would let Lena know that I was interested in her. Dr. Rosaria Butterfield was a professor at the University of Syracuse. Years ago, she was an atheist. She was disgusted by Christianity and the hateful rhetoric she heard from Christians. She described her beliefs like this. Those who professed the name of Jesus commanded my pity and wrath. As a university professor, I tired of students who seemed to believe that knowing Jesus meant knowing little else. Christians in particular were bad readers, always seizing opportunities to insert a Bible verse into a conversation with the same point as a punctuation mark, to end it rather than deepen it. Her view of Christians led her to write an article in her local paper which targeted the religious right and all the things that nauseated her about Christians and their God. As you'd expect, she got countless responses, so many that she kept two boxes on her desk, one for fan mail, the other for hate mail. But one of the letters took her back. It was from a pastor, Ken Smith. She said it defied her filing system. Pastor Smith wanted to have a conversation. He actually wanted to listen to the reasons for her views. Ken didn't argue against her article, Instead, he wanted to listen. Rosaria recounts what happened next in her own words. With the letter, Ken initiated two years of bringing the church to me. He did not mock, he engaged. So when his letter invited me to get together for dinner, I accepted. Ken and his wife, Floyd, and I became friends. They entered my world. They met my friends. We did book exchanges. We talked openly about sexuality and politics. They did not act as if such conversations were polluting them. They did not treat me like a blank slate. And because Ken and Floyd did not invite me to church, I knew it was safe to be friends. Because of this couple's posture toward Rosaria, she felt free to ask questions, to search, and to dig deeply into God's word. Eventually, Rosaria became a follower of Jesus. This story seems so biblical to me, so Christ-like. It sounds like the conversations that Jesus had with Nicodemus and the woman at the well and so many others. 
When Jesus met someone who was lost, he worked hard to understand them and listen to them before he ever tried to communicate any truth to them. So why is it that Christians are known for doing the opposite? Why are we so interested in proving our truth and implementing our beliefs as law rather than approaching people with humility, an open mind, and a willing ear? What if we stop treating people like agenda items to tick off our list? What if we're more concerned about them than we are about our message, our truth, and our memorized gospel presentations? What if we let go of our egos, our agendas, and our need to prove that we're right? How much more can we accomplish in the name of Christ if we listen to people in a way that seeks to understand them? Is it possible that more people will begin to consider the gospel message? If you're on Facebook, follow him. <clears throat> I've got to tell you, his videos and his posts and his blog are, are absolutely outstanding. It's a powerful statement, isn't it? When you start to, to understand the truth behind it. And here's this week's discovery, and it's in your notes. This is something that I'm asking all of us to do, to assess our own listening skills. So using a scale of 10 to 1, where 10 is always and 1 is never, when, do you do these things? Okay, so you're, listening, uh, you're assessing your own listening skills. So when others are talking to me, number one, I find myself finishing their sentences. Guilty, 10. I, I give my opinions before hearing them out. I get restless and impatient. I lose track of what's being said. I mentally rehearse what I'm, uh, I'm saying to, going to say next. I, I take control of the conversation. I, I interrupt with frequent comments or questions. I try to diagnose and help them fix their problems. I worry about what I'm going to say next. I answer before gaining real understanding. So based on that assessment, when you've just had a, a quick flick through there, which elements of listening would you like to improve? What changes will you make this week to improve in those areas? That's the challenge. That's the discovery part. You know? So then have, have a listen to this as well. This is the second part. Of, uh, uh, there's three parts to this, by the way. Three. So the second part is assessing our bad listening habits. So do we ever engage in one of these ten irritating habits? Number one, interrupting the speaker. Number two, not looking at the speaker. Number three, rushing the speaker and making them feel that uh, they're wasting our time. Showing interest in something other than the conversation. Getting ahead of the speaker and finishing their thoughts. Not responding to the speaker's requests, but saying, yes, but, as though we've already made up our mind. Or topping the speaker's story with, oh, that reminds me. Oh, oh that's nothing. You should have heard this. You should hear this. Do you do that? Forgetting what we've talked about previously or asking too many questions about details. So which listening habit would you like to improve? So here's the practice for you this week. Okay? I want us all to fast or abstain from giving people advice. Okay? So in other words, set a day or a period of time in this week, and it doesn't have to be the whole week, but just say, you know, okay, so Tuesday's my day. On Tuesday, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to go with the kids to school or whatever, and I'm going to engage in conversations with people, and I am not going to give advice. Who's up for the challenge? Excellent. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'll be praying for you because it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Okay, so the next thing is like, uh, what, uh, as you're going through that, uh, what is it like to listen and participate without offering any of your own suggestions on what they should do? Like, don't just do it, but then dig a little bit deeper. How did you feel about that? How hard was it? Did it make a difference to your conversation? Do you feel that you've got a closer rapport with the person because you didn't offer your advice, but you'd sought to just understand where they were coming from. It's great to dig a little bit deeper and ask the questions. I think that's great. But don't offer your advice. Don't offer your counsel. Don't offer how they can fix their problem. Just uh, why do you believe that? How, tell me more about that. Tell me more. So we just make those statements. How did they respond to you when you refrained from giving advice? 
That's a good thing. I mean, are they expecting it from you? Well, aren't you going to tell me what to do? No. What did you learn about yourself in this experience? This is the practice part of it. Every week that I do this series, we are going to be asking some self-discovery stuff, but we're also going to put into place some practice for us to do. These are the next steps that we need to do in the art of listening. I think it's going to be great. So, to wrap up, when we're not listening well, we are not really fully present with the person. We miss what's behind the words, the deep truth that's coming from a person. It's not about hearing the words per se, it's about connecting with the person's heart. When we really listen well to people, we express God's love and our love and respect for them. And as listeners and learners, we show our willingness to understand and value their perspectives, their point of view, who they are. What if we not only noticed our spouses and our families? What if we not only prayed for them? How different would our conversations with the lost be and with our spouse, if we actually listen to them, how different would our relationship with God be if we listened to him during the week as well? Let's stand. I'm done. Has that been helpful? It's good, isn't it? I think it's great. Cool. I, I might get the CD of this one myself. I'm going to... Uh, pray for us this morning. To love and value people through the simple art of listening to them. To give us the the wisdom to recognize when we're moving from listening to giving advice. I've asked us all to practice this this week. I'm going to be practicing this this week just as much as everybody. I challenge myself in these sorts of things. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the worship that we've enjoyed. I thank you for that our kids are out in, uh, in God chases right now. They're listening to their leaders and they're listening to you, Holy Spirit, and they're being changed. And we ask that same change to be in our lives this morning. We ask you to help us to truly listen to people, to value them, to honor them, to respect them, and to listen to them, to give them our face, our focus, and our feelings as we engage with them. Not to offer pat answers or to fix their problem, but to show genuine care and just simply dig a little bit deeper appropriately into why a person believes or or lives differently from us. I pray, help us to do this this week. Help us to set aside time to be reminded that this is something we can do in our workplace. It's something we can do in our school. It's something we can do in our uh, our parents' uh, groups as we're dropping kids off at school, as we're in the shops. It's in our homes. It's with our spouse. Father, help us to do this in a way that honors you. And I pray that in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.